You're listening to episode 387 of the Gnu World Order. My name is Klaatu, and in this episode we're going to talk about SysStat and Terminus font. Yes, we're going through every single package installed by default on a Slackware system, and this is where we are. We're in the AP series, and at the SysStat point, it looks like we've got about... I don't know, five or six binaries installed here. And yeah, if I do a less on var log packages, I show that the binaries we have to look at include sif s no sifs iostat iostat mpstat pidstat sadf and that like oh no that would be asdf okay sadf sar and tapestat so a lot of these i'm afraid i'm probably not going to have a whole lot to say about because some m many of them just don't apply to my system but we'll start at the top and the first one is sifs iostat and this is designed to report about to report statistics to you about a SIFS file system. Now, SIFS, I, I actually don't know what that stands for. I never bothered looking at it. But SIFS is the underlying file system that you find on a Samba share uh, or an SMB share. The, the That implements uh, the SIFS file system, and it's um, a shared file system that you encounter a lot on a Windows network. But thanks to the Samba team, the, the um, very, very diligent Samba team, They've had to put up with a heck of a lot over the years. Uh, you can go to their website at samba.org. They um, they took the shared file system from Windows and uh, re-implemented it as a GPL project. Now, I've never been involved with Samba, and, and I've barely used it. I have used it. I, I think it's a great project. I, I quite admire all of the work that they're doing, but I've never been involved with it. But back in the, the mid-2000s, Microsoft decided to fight some of the the rules that had been established in, I think, the European Union, saying that they that Microsoft had to play a little bit nicer with other systems because what was happening was that uh, you know if a if a if a software or if a, an organization was using Microsoft then if you wanted to bring your Linux computer in you just weren't able to talk to the the, the network you weren't able to to interact with that in any way and that that's a problem that the lack of interoperability is definitely a problem and it's almost hard to imagine i think maybe that being a thing uh, at least it is for me it's difficult to imagine an environment like that because i've never been in an environment like that thankfully but it it's a problem and microsoft was really fighting tooth and nail like legal battles to keep it that way they did not want to be forced by anyone to operate with other systems that were non-Microsoft. That was just how they wanted to run their business. So the Samba team had to go to court in order to get Microsoft to comply with uh, several laws and hand over the, the documentation for, for the protocols of Active Directory and, and SIFs and all these other protocols that they needed in order to make a system that was compliant with with Microsoft's networking system, uh, and and that way people could could interact with Microsoft machines. I mean, the idea of this again, it's just so crazy because you, you just think, well, how can how can a, a business knowing full well that it possesses, I don't know, you know, eighty percent of the market or whatever, seventy five percent of the market, whatever, um, how can they possibly make an attempt to not operate with with other computers, how how could that possibly be? I mean, when Apple does it, and they do that, they do that pretty frequently themselves. When they do it, it's not a big deal because you know they're just 
not operating and they're, they're not they're not using standards uh, but it's only affecting a, a, a small a relatively small sliver of computer users and and what an affront it is just kind of as a human being to see a business like Microsoft decide against interoperability at the same time that something like the internet exists this this huge sort of modeling of behavior like this is this is good IT this is how computers this is how a network this is this is how information should flow, and it's been designed in an open fashion. And it's it's it has by by 2004 or whenever this lawsuit was happening. Well, it started in 2004. By then, the internet had definitely taken over. It was it was very very much an expectation to to most people. So it's not like Microsoft was you know this wasn't like back in the 70s or something when when computers were were quite rare. This was in the 2000s. This was this century. And they were, they were making it very difficult for anyone to design systems that could, that could play with a Microsoft system. And it just, it's crazy. Um, and, and just to be triply clear here, it doesn't have to be this way. I, th- I think a lot of times when we look, when, when we jaded sort of post um corporate world people look at stuff and we think oh well you know this is these court cases and and these lawsuits it's just how business is done it's not really nothing bit personal it's just business you know and you you just kind of think that that's the normal way things happen and it's really really important to understand that that is not the normal way that things do not have to happen that way it is an expensive way it is a vengeful thing it is it is not a good thing to have happen a better thing to have happen is something like uh the open innovation network or the um what is it the cloud the cloud uh not cloud i'm trying to think of the 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 organization the um it's the container group that is that is defining the specifications essentially of of what containers are and what what cloud computing is and and that sort of thing um even the linux foundation which i'm not necessarily a, a, a great fan of the Linux Foundation on a personal level, but the, the the fact that it exists as a collaborative entity is really important. The Container Initiative, that's what I was thinking of, I guess. Um, oh, and that's actually a subsidy or, or, or a member of the Linux Foundation. Either way, collaboration is really important, and it's not something, and it's not okay to just assume, well, we'll just go to court over it. Anyway, SIFs. It is a Samba. It, it's a Samba project. It, it's part of the Samba project. It is a protocol that lets you designate a folder on your hard drive as a shared folder across the network, and people are able to look into that folder and access that folder, and possibly even drag files into that folder. Certainly, drag files out of that folder. It is a shared shared file system. It is really really nice. It, it just it, it honestly is. There's a little bit. Um, I, I can't talk too much about it because this isn't where we're talking about that um so i guess i'll stop here i'll just say that it is very nice and if you need statistics on how it's performing then you can use sifs io stat and that returns um a bunch of information pretty much taken from slash proc slash fs slash sifs slash stats so there you go that is sifs io stat so now let's talk about something i do have some control over or, or some insight into, which is IOSTAT. IOSTAT is similar idea, 
It reports CPU statistics and input-output statistics for devices and partitions. So the IOSTAT command is used for monitoring system input-output device loading by observing the time that the devices are active in relation to their average transfer rates. Uh, it does two different kinds of reports. It does a CPU uh, utilization report and a device um, utilization report. The CPU shows uh, kind of the typical information for CPU statistics, like how much of the percentage uh, that a user is, like the user land stuff is using, percentage of system level stuff, like the kernel activity, and so on. Device utilization report tells you which device it is, the transfers per second, the speed at which data is read, that sort of thing. So I'm just going to do an IO. I guess I'll do an IOSTAT-C, which is just going to show me the CPU report. So IOSTAT-C C, uh, percentage 6.27, idle 84.96, system 8.48, IO weight is 0.29. I imagine I'd have to do something pretty severe to, to, to affect the average CPU statistics right now, and I can't really think of what I would do. But there's that, that's the report. I mean, that's what this application does. So now I'm going to do IOSTAT D for device, and that shows me all of the different devices I have hooked up. SDA, SDB, SDC, DE, F, G, and H. And it lists these um, these devices and the uh, kilobytes read per second, kilobytes written per second, kilobytes read, kilobytes written. That's pretty much it for that command. I've used IOSTAT before uh, at an old job when I was doing hardware testing, and I did need a kind of a baseline performance measurement which I did on Linux. The system I was testing was not Linux, but I needed some kind of sort of just an idea of what the expectation should be. And so I used IOSTAT to sort of establish what kind of activities. And I did I did a lot of the initial testing with a prime number generator or or yeah, prime number um, finder. So I've I've gotten a similar application here or program, little C thing that I just found online. And it calculates prime numbers from 0 to n. And so if I do use the mpstat, that's the next command in here, mpstat command, which, uh, what does it say it does? I think it's just uh, it's the command writes to standard output activities for each available processor, processor 0 being the first. So it's a little bit of a, to me, it seems like mpstat is kind of an, a focused IO stat. So if I do mpstat dash capital P for processor and then uh, let's do two. I have a much higher percentage of use, usage right now because I'm running this prime number generator in the background. So it, I've got 12.71 usage on the user, 23.7 on the system. Idle is only 63% now. Now if I fire up yet another prime generator, then I might be able to have a look and see if there's something else being occupied similarly. Uh, yeah, it looks like to me... No? Yeah, I, I guess processor 4 is a little bit higher now. Not not as much as I would have anticipated. Maybe it, maybe the other one stopped. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, one, only one is running now. You get the idea. MPStat, you get a little bit more flexibility. There, the syntax of MPStat has a couple of, a couple of things that you can do as well. So mpstat, for instance, oops, mpstat, not my stat. mpstat uh, dash capital P and then just all shows you all processors, which is a little bit easier to use than having to just scan through all of them one by one. And if you want to see several updates as you're as you're running your prime number generator or whatever you're doing in the background, 
you want to see the the numbers climb and, and climb and fall you can do uh, MP stat, and then you can tell it, for instance, um, display. Well, the man page says um, this MP stat two and five. So two, the number two, and then space the number five. And what that does is it displays five reports. So that's the second number uh, of all processors at two two second intervals. So you type that in, and it looks like it'll ha it hangs because you're you're not sure what's happening, but but then after two seconds passes, it it shows you a, a fresh report every two seconds five times, and then it and then it stops, and that's that's the com it's the combined total of all of your processors, all all of your cores. Now you could instead say MP stat dash capital P all, and then for instance uh, two to five two two all should be capitalized um, A L L all capitals two space five or or one space six or, or three space six whatever however many times you want to see it uh, and then it'll show you a big chunk of, of processors across your screen for, for each for each core including an all total uh, the the total for all of them so and then at the end of it of that process it gives you the average of of everything over that the time period that you've just you've just observed. So that's pretty handy. That's pretty darn pretty darn useful, I think. I mean, it's it's arguably, well, it, it is handy. It, it's got a lot of data in there. It's got it kind of drills down into user land versus kernel space versus um, idle time and nice levels and all that other stuff. So, uh, yeah, that is that is useful probably to someone. All right, let's take a look at PIDstat. I have a have an, an idea that you probably can guess what this one is. PIDstat gives you statistics about an individual PID or a, a task, a thing that is happening on your system. And just like, well, not just like, similar to MPStat, you can use a dash P all to show all tasks. Now, unlike the MPStat command, the dash P here is lowercase. So that's not confusing at all. All right, so let's, um, let's start up a number generator again. And we'll give it a really big number so it'll stay on for a while. And then we'll do pid... Oh, wait, I need to find out what that is. Uh, so I guess I'll do pid of primes dot... I think I called it primes dot bin. Yep, that's what I did. So that's 30326. So now I can do a pid stat dash p30326. Then I'm going to do a dash capital T all. And that'll show me the percentage of CPU time that it's using and uh, some other... Some other things. The one of the and the CPU that it uses. Uh, one of the nice things about this is that it shows you the command. You know, it kind of reaffirms the command that's actually that you're, that you're monitoring. So if if you do have the wrong PID, you'll know it. Shows you who's running it, the UID of the user who who start who the task is running for. And if you do dash capital R, you get um, the real time priorities of the of the PID, which could be useful if you're monitoring or if you're troubleshooting multimedia stuff for instance or i mean i'm sure there's other uses but for me uh that's where i could see using it is is you know is jack actually using the real-time priority that i want it to well let's find out that sort of that's and again you can do the same kind of kind of tricks as you could with mp stat you can do pid stat space two space five and then you'll get five reports every two seconds you also don't necessarily need to know the PID of the thing that you're looking for, so you can do a dash capital C for for sort of a grep on against the the name. So instead of 30326, uh, two, two, I'll do dash capital C and I'll put in here 
prime-t task, and that returns same same information up to .33% of my CPU time right now. Uh, command primes.bin and CPU3. So it, it zeroed in in the PID 30326, so it's the same one. So it zeroed in on that just from, from kind of a grep on the command column. So that's kind of useful, I can imagine. So that's PID stat. Those are, I think, all the stats. No, actually, there's another stat. There's a tape stat. And I might as well do that one really quick just to get it over with because uh, just, just like uh, there was another tape-related command. Or no, that was a floppy command, I think. Yeah, I don't have a tape. I don't have a tape drive. I've never owned a tape drive personally. Uh, I have been around a tape drive. I, I did, I think it was a tape drive. I've been around tape-based media anyway. Um, and this reports on on statistics with your, uh, around your, your tape drive, which a long time ago, probably, maybe still, I don't know. Um, everyone, I, I've been told tape, tape drives do store a lot of information, so maybe they are still around for something but they 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 would write data out to i guess magnetic tape and that would be their backup so that's that's a thing that could happen um have them think about it i think i i, I was in a place that used that for off-site backups they would take a backup of the system and then every day when the person who went to the bank to drop off the the records like the financial records or or whatever they they took that tape with them and dropped it off, I think, either at the, I think they dropped it off at the bank, which seems weird. Maybe they put it into a post, uh, not a post office, but a, a, a deposit box. I don't know. That's interesting. I just, just remembered that. But either way, this is tape stat, and it kind of acts, it's, it's very much in the same, same realm as, well, all the other stuff, IO stat, MP stat, and so on. Lots of similarities there. D different, different options like dash k show the data written in kilobytes per second instead of megabytes per second show the amount of data written or read in megabytes per second instead of kilobytes it's funny um dash t display timestamps and so on so a couple of different options there and and i just have no way to really investigate that myself because i do not have a tape drive okay so the that's that is all of the stat commands sifs io mp pid and tape well i mean all the stat commands in this package so the other the other two commands, actually it's not just two, but the, the other two binary commands, actually it's still not just two, I think, but um, there's SADF, S-A-D-F, and SAR. Those are in the bin, user bin. There's a couple hidden away somewhere else, and we'll get to those in a moment. But this, this SAR thing, um, System Activity Report, is what that stands for. It's, it's a little bit of a, a framework. It, it isn't... I get the feeling that it is built for you to... To build, so for instance, I mean, and it's in SysStat, so we're we're talking about the same general idea. We want to report on what our computer is up to. So first thing that you need to do, I guess, is just verify that it is configured on your system to to actually run. Uh, I mean, it it will run um, potentially, but you do want to make sure that in slash Etsy slash SysStat, that's S Y S S T A T slash SysStat again. That's the name of the configuration file, sysdat, and that's in the sysdat directory. You want to look at that, make sure that it's got values that you agree with. So, for instance, how many days would you like to keep your log files? I think it's set. I think it was set to ten by default, and I set it to three for myself because I don't really. I'm only doing this for fun. I don't actually need these logs hanging around, and I probably won't even run the, this again anyway. Compress after one day. Uh, use the XZ compression algorithm for that. 
SADC options. So SADC is another binary that's lurking on your system in this package that we'll get to uh, relatively soon. And uh, let's see, oh yeah, the location of the log file, that's important, slash var slash log slash sa. Now sa is a directory, and inside of sa there will be lots of log files eventually if you run this often. Now I'm also going to just mention that um, I'm going to set yesterday to no, because by default one of the scripts that launches this, this operation generates yesterday's summary, because they're assuming that you're running this at midnight of every day. So you're in their imagination, you're coming into work the next day, and when you when you ask to to be shown the reports, you don't mean the reports for today because those don't exist yet. You mean yesterday's. But in my case, I actually do mean today because this is the one uh, the the one and only time I'm going to use this thing probably. Okay, so there you go. Now you can also um, well you you'll see it. The configuration file is there. You'll 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 get the the feel for it. So in this package. Not in user bin, but in user lib64 slash sa, there are two shell scripts and a spare binary. The shell scripts are sa1 and sa2, and I guess I'll really quickly bring up those man pages to make sure I'm not forgetting anything about them. So the sa1 collects and stores binary data in the system activity daily data file. It's a shell script variant of the sad c command and handles all of the flags and parameters of that command. And the the main parameter, I think, for that command would be the interval and uh, of, of, the, of the scan of the, the report. So again, just um, they're kind of assuming that you're running this, again, as a cron job. So they suggest SA1 space 1 space 1. So that's show me one report after one second. Done. And then the dash capital S, and I don't remember what that stands for, but it's kind of like what you're asking for data about. I have that set to capital X, capital A, capital L, capital L, X all. Just give me all of the reports, because why not? But, you know, in real life, you might not want that. You might only be monitoring your your disks or your network or whatever, so you might change that. SA2 command is a variant of the SAR command, and you'll recall... Uh, no, you won't recall. We haven't done the SAR command. We're still talking about that. So the SAR command is a um, activity counters for your operating system. It collects reports and saves system activity information. It it is um, it, it has a lot of keywords that you can zero in on with SAR. Possible keywords are CPU, fan, freak, F R E Q, in, temp, and USB. I don't remember what in is, but a lot of those you can probably kind of get get a feel for what you're looking at. CPU, obviously. It, it talks about your CPU fan. It gives you the RPMs of your fan, or the delta of the RPM of your fan versus the the minimum setting of your fan. Device is not device. Um, where is it? I don't know where in is still. But anyway, you get the idea. So oh, and USB. That's a cool one. You can look at all your USB devices and so on. You also have um, things that you can look at. I mean, and that's that's just a small section of what you can look at. There, there's a bunch more stuff like uh, network activity, disk activity, just everything. It's just like sysstat. Like this is this is just everything. Okay, so that's SAR. Now SAR is also one of the things that you'll use to look at your log files with, so that's kind of almost confusing in a way. SADC is the activity data collection command, and it is the command that takes the samples of data, so it is intended to be used as the back end of SAR. So you won't be running SADC yourself, in theory. You'll you'll be accessing it through SAR, and, and 
will you be using SAR at all? Uh, that's a great question. Really, yes, you will be, because you'll have log files that have been generated by some shell scripts that you will have entered into a cron job in theory. Now, I'm not going to do that, because we'd have to wait till midnight to get the results. I'm just going to execute the, the shell scripts manually from user lib64sa1, and I'll do one space one space uh, dash s, capital S dash, or not dash, space x all. So that's again, oh, but sudo sh user slash user slash lib64 slash sa slash sa1 space one space one space dash s, capital S. Uh, space all capitals x all so that's I'm just telling sa1 to run to, to 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 take a one second sample of everything on my system and what it does is it dumps all of that information out into a binary file and I can confirm that or you can confirm that if you're doing this var log uh, sa sa and then the date uh, the, so by default the logs are saved uh, at in the sa directory of var log so var log sa and then the log is named sa and then the the, the date, the the number of the day of the month. So, for instance, if today is the uh, the 24th, then it would be SA24. If it's the 1st, SA1. Uh, let's say that it is the, um, the, the 30th, SA30. That way we don't get confused with all the SA1 and 2 and things like that. So, SA30, if I cat that to my terminal, bad things will happen. That wasn't so bad. But yeah, a lot of that is binary. There's some, you, you can see quite a bit of, of strings in there recognizable strings and that that kind of is nice because that's kind of confirmation that yes I've gathered information but there's a bunch of binary stuff in there that you won't be able to read and that's okay because we have applications to parse that for us one of those is SAR and so if you do SAR space dash a and then maybe I'll pipe that to most you get a really long report on like lots and lots and lots of different aspects of your computer uh, it's just going for pages and pages and pages and pages averages and numbers and charts it's it just goes on and on now you can use sar to filter that down a little bit notice i didn't i didn't give it an argument i just said sar dash a and that was it just just one option which i think i'm assuming dash a stands for for all i would i would imagine dash capital a this is equivalent to specifying a bunch of options, yeah, so that's, it's basically all. But you can filter it down a little bit. You don't have to look at all. You could do, um, let's do a SAR-delta, uh, lowercase d. And there you get, I mean, it's still a big report, but you get, you get reports on every device. But that's all you get. You don't get all the other stuff. So it's, it's still, um, I'd say a... I'd say two screenfuls, maybe one and a half. Uh, and I do have a lot of devices hooked up to my computer on a regular basis, so that's not surprising that it would be pretty long. Uh, you can do, let's see, um, yeah, so I mean, this is, if you've ever used journal control on on a system D system, you can kind of think of that as as this, or this as that. Because really, you're, you're, you're looking at a binary file, and you're asking, you're querying that binary file with a tool called SAR. And you can kind of look through there and, and see what, what's available. I mean, you can, you can narrow it down by all of the different things that SAR has to offer. And it does have, have, it's got quite a lot of stuff that you can drill down and kind of get, get stats on. And that's really cool. Last but not, well, last and least, actually. I'm not a big fan of this one. Maybe I'm just not using it right. Sad C. Sad C, nope, sorry, sad F. Sad F is the, it's a 
it's a exporter sort of and so it can take logs created by SAR and export them into formats that it thinks you will like so for instance you can get your report in JSON or XML or I think they said also C C comma separated value CSV and probably something else that I'm not thinking of and and I mean I can see this works it's just the syntax is really really strange and it, I'll admit it took me a lot longer than it ought to have to figure this out. And I only say that because there is, to be fair, an example in the man page. I just didn't think to... It looked like such a specific example, I thought, surely that's not for me. That's, that's for people who know what they're doing. This I won't do that. So I, I tried a bunch of other things and then finally figured out that the command syntax is indeed strange. So we know, for instance, that we have a log file right now at SA30, right? So SATF slash var slash log slash sa slash sa30. That's the file we want to parse. And let's send it out as JSON. So dash j, lowercase j for JSON. For whatever reason though, at this point you have to do double dashes. So it's one of those weird, the command is over and then here's all my options. I don't know why that's a thing, but uh, it's, it's something that you have to do sometimes. And so you dash dash, and then they have in their example, for instance, dash r, dash in, capital dev. If we wanted to find out what that was, I'd have to look, because I've forgotten already. The dash r is, um, oh, that's why there's the double dash, because those options aren't for sat f. Those are, those are, those options are not getting processed by sat f. That's, I forgot. Okay, so man sar, um, dash r, so, sorry, so the, um, the command, that we're doing here is satf slash var slash log slash sa slash sa30 and then dash j because that is a, a satf command it, it means export it as a json export this i want you to parse this log file and export it as a json file and then we're stopping that command we're doing a double dash to end to end the processing of that command but we're adding as kind of an afterthought that hey once you've once you've parsed this stuff, we want to invoke some SAR options, because that's where all this stuff is coming from. And so we're using SAR options here, dash R for, uh, I think it's memory statistics, and then dash N, dev, for network device statistics. So if we wanted to get something else in there, we could go to man, uh, man SAR and find the, the option for whatever uh, whatever. Uh, device or, or attribute we wanted to process. So that's what's going on. That It's still a wonky command, I think, but um, I, I, I kind of understand that in a way. So uh, I, I do that, and yeah, there's a bunch of JSON here with I face ETH0, I face WLAN0, and, you know, things that look appropriate to me. It, it looks like these are, these are statistics and uh, structured data about, for instance, uh, the network devices. And here's, yeah, mem free, mem used, mem used percent, and so on. So you can only imagine how useful, I mean, as an export option, like, this is just amazing, you know? Like, I mean, this is, what more could you ask for? You want, you want statistics on your machine? No problem. We have SAR for that. You want it in a format that you can then just ingest into, you know, whatever it is that you're building? Not a problem. What do you need it in? CSV, JSON, XML, name it. We we got it. So yeah, it's a very very slick little application. Um, it is a bit confusing with all the different components, but the main thing to remember, I guess, is that what what's the main thing to remember? It, I guess the main thing to remember is that is that in order for it to work at all, you must have created log files. So this is not a a real time monitoring application. That's not what this is for. I'm not saying you can't hack it together to, to do that, you know, by, I don't know, generating a, a log and then and then tailing it 
you're generating a log at a certain rate per second um, and then tailing that and then piping that to SATF, maybe something like that. I don't know. Or, or yeah, something like that. Um, but that's not the intent. So the intent is that you need to have the log files existing. And for that, you're going to have to either set it up as a cron job so that's being generated every night or just run it yourself, SA1, SA2, and user lib64. And then you can look at all that data with uh, SAR or you can import or ingest it and export it with SATF. And SADC you're not really going to use directly. That, that'll be up to SA1, SA2, SAR, stuff like that. Don't, don't mess around with SADC directly. And that's it. That is, um, that's a little bit of system statistics for you. Technically, that's all I have for this episode. But honestly, um, I just figured, why stop there? So there is this one package that I might as well mention, and it is called uh, Terminus Font. And th- th- so we're done the S's, really. That's exciting. So we're just we're starting the T's in the in the last in the last moments of the show. And uh, this is this is called uh, Terminus Font. It's a it's designed for long eight or more hours per day work with computers. It is a good choice if you run a Unicode enabled console, but the package also contains a non-scalable Unicode enabled font for use in X terminal applications. So that's what Terminus Font is. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about here, to be honest. It is a font for terminals, and, you know, a lot of people like to get really fancy with their terminals, and part of that fancy thing is to, is to try cool fonts in your cool modern terminal, uh, or you try super retro fonts in your super modern terminal. You know, it's, it's all about just theming, uh, and, and what you're looking at all day, which, I mean, honestly, it's... That's understandable. We, we, as Linux geeks, we do tend to stare at terminals a lot because, I mean, that's part of the appeal of the platform. So you may as well enjoy it. You may as well enjoy looking at it all day. And if the Terminus font is what you want to to to, to look at all day, then I think that's great. Um, to me, personally, I, I don't love or hate the font. It is, it is just a font. And I, I have to admit, I, I'm not really... I, I find fonts interesting but not um not not essential i don't i don't think that it's one of those things that i have to obsess over or anything like that i've tried a couple of different fonts in my terminal from time to time but i i usually forget to set it either way and i just leave it as the default and really i don't think about it until times like this when someone specifically mentions a terminal font so this is terminus font you can find you can find it at terminus-font.sourceforge.net. There are screenshots there. You can you can see what you're you're in for. It is not a bad font. It is nice. It's quite nice. Um, but like I say, I just I never bother setting that for myself. But you can, and and fonts are great. I mean, I love. I I think fonts are one of those things where I don't think about them until either I don't have the font that I need or, or want or. When someone mentions, you know, yeah, like, oh, you should try this terminal font, or what terminal font are you, um, ha- have you tried, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Terminus font, I guess. There's not a whole lot more I can say about it. Okay, well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, as as always. I appreciate your continued listenership. Let's talk again in a week. No coffee break this week, you'll have noticed, but go get a cup of coffee anyway. You've earned it. Thank you for listening to the GNU World Order OGCast. 
This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at Klaatu at member.fsf.org. That's Klaatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. youngsters in your city roam the streets in restless, destructive gangs. If you had 122 eyes to search the dingy, unfamiliar corners of your city, 